0: No, I can feel the internet.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the podcast from Curiosity. Public, I'm Dutch.
2: Jules here, Dylan,
1: and it is Bourbon Heritage Month, guys. Everybody's favorite month. I mean, it should be your favorite month, even if it's
2: not. What are you guys drinking? It's not September. Sucks. It's the hottest (laughs) hottest (laughs) month of the year, man. (laughs) A way to be patriotic, dude. You know (laughs) what? There was an earthquake today, so you know. And blackouts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. blackouts. There's a fire out here.
1: There's a fire. Uh, It's my deck was covered in ash and i couldn't open the windows all day on the hottest day of the year ridiculous
2: although in september's defense it's like 2020 (laughs) (laughs) great
1: mother nature is like oh yeah you want to see what can happen
2: yeah exactly (laughs) you
1: think you people are bad (laughs) um all right what's in your glass dylan all right so i am doing e.h taylor barrel proof Ooh, nice big guns huh Uncut and unfiltered. Big, big guns. Big, big jewels.
2: Not so big, but uh, just a special, if not more special, special reserve. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. that is That's a, a treat.
1: Label. And uh, I'm going classic Kentucky special here. Heaven Hill bottled oh. bond six year Kentucky. Wow, experience.
0: vintage. Vintage doesn't yeah. exist. No old school.
1: I'm sure they'll bring it back in the future. And, you know, yeah, like next year. It'll be <laughs> twenty bucks more expensive after the seven year bombs. that, that mm. uh, that they put out as a replacement. But this is a great segue for our topic today, which is National Bourbon Heritage Month, which uh, is observed during the month of September. Did you know in 2007 that the U.S. Senate adopted a resolution designating September as National Bourbon Heritage Month?
0: Yes, I do. And I'm going to correct you there. It was only for that year what ended up happening was it was just going to people just celebrate it in that month.
1: Yeah, September 2007 was the the one time
2: it was designated, yeah.
1: But I mean it's become this something that we um,
2: celebrate annually now.
1: Yeah, we celebrate annually, people kind of come up with, you know, daily uh shout outs to particular bourbons. A lot of rare bourbons get released this month. I think the one that is uh, one of the earliest special releases of every year is the uh, Old Forester Birthday Bourbon, which is mm. coming out this month. Have you guys been able to find that? I don't think hit the west coast yet
2: <laughs> i have not at all
1: i'm not even looking you're not even looking
2: Mm-mm. really I'm done. It's it's too
0: much. (laughs) I told uh, Dutch about this, but uh, I called a liquor store recently and they said, oh, you know what? I got Blanton's Gold, uh, Blanton's straight from the barrel. Uh, They also had the E.H. Taylor 18-year. They had the Michter's 10. They also had the uh, Parker's Heritage. And he said that if I bought it all today, he would give it to me for (laughs) $4,000. Oh my God.
2: Wow.
1: I bet you as he was telling you that, you were actually kind of thinking, oh, wait, is he going to cut me a deal and then you like wait there's, there's there three zeros there or two zeros there which one? and then I said well what about
0: just the Blanton's gold and he said oh you know I can give it to you for like five hundred dollars oh man and I said uh
1: no thank you yeah that is And then I, you know what?
0: And then I followed that up and I said, Hey, uh, so does does someone come in and actually pay for this? And he said, yes, there's actually somebody who's coming in tomorrow. And I was going to sell it to you today if you were going to buy it today. But he said to try to hold it for tomorrow. That's some good,
2: sweet talking.
0: And I was going to go the next day and wait for that guy or girl and see who this person is. (laughs) Just like Jeff Bezos.
2: And threaten them.
0: (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, it yeah, brought yeah. your shank. It, <laughs> it is ridiculous, ridiculous, right? Yeah. I mean, but in addition to the um, the birthday bourbon, I know that the uh, the Four Roses limited edition small batch is coming out this month. Elijah Craig put Elijah. out a toasted barrel. Yep. And then you know, antique collection comes out not you know I think next month along with all the Van Winkle stuff. So it's always around this time of year. People call it bourbon season. It can be. Uh, it used to be kind of a fun thing, but <laughs> now it's just become ridiculous. So. <laughs> You know, and, and I think it still thing- is
2: for a lot of people, though, man. People love oh, yeah. camping out, you know. People At least it. when you used to be able to camp out and wait in line for stuff.
1: <laughs> right when they used to actually sell it for MSRP or somewhere right. close to MSRP. But I mean, boom! I mean, it's booming. And I think you know, being in the COVID era, uh, I just saw I came across an article that for the, the state of Virginia, la- liquor sales were up 117 million dollars versus the same time last year. I mean, it's just like wow. nobody has anything else to do, obviously, but. Since it's Bourbon Heritage Month, I think we should talk a little bit about our relationships with bourbon. (laughs)
2: <laughs> like so basically we shouldn't talk about any bourbon actually yeah let's not
1: talk about i mean you can talk about specific bourbons but tell your story of how you got into bourbon
2: nice that sounds
1: who wants to go first scary Should I, go? I can go first i mean i don't i remember being into uh tequila before i was ever into bourbon and then i toured four roses when i went to kentucky to visit and they did the tasting at the end and all they gave you at the end of the ta- they didn't give you anything Super special. They just gave you one of each. They gave you their their yellow like the regular release yellow label, which is like the gray label now. And then they gave you the small batch and then they gave you the single barrel. And I just remember going through that tasting after touring the distillery and trying those three. And I'm like, wow, like why am I not drinking bourbon? This is really good. And I think that kind of set me into this uh <coughs> roller coaster downward spiral. <laughs> I don't know, like going crazy over bourbon. And because from there it was like, okay, well, now I gotta find something that's good that I can sip on and you know, I'd discover something and then some people would buy me bottles and and it just kind of started this, that journey into wanting to try as many of them as I could, and you know, it's a it's nice. a fun little hobby. It's a dangerous hobby, but it's a fun one. Oh yeah. But so yeah, that's Four Roses is definitely one of those intro ones for me because of that, because of the tour, and I also <laughs> toured, um, I think, Wild Turkey shortly thereafter. So it was kind of just doing those back to back.
2: So you actually doing... went on a tour first before you even tried any of them.
1: I mean, I had had it in the past. I know. Like, I just never really paid attention to it. It was, you know, when when you're younger, you don't really tend to sit there and sip on things to enjoy it. It's like... (laughs) And <laughs> oh, can I take a shot of it and
2: we'll burn it? Yeah. Right, so
1: yeah. that was the f- one of the first times I actually sat down and, you know, I had done that with tequila because I'd been around a lot of people that were really into tasting tequilas, So I'd learned that, but I'd never really had that experience with whiskeys. But then doing that tour and then going through like learning how it's made and then having somebody talk me through a tasting of it. And I was like, oh, okay. I can sit here and sip on this. And wow, you know, it's, it's tasty. I'm getting the notes they're talking about. I'm understanding the difference between the flavors I'm getting from the single barrel versus the small batch versus the, the, the big blend. So that was uh, kind of my formal introduction. Very nice. Very
2: nice. Uh, Well, I can go next. I I distinctly remember the first time I had, or the first time I actually sat down and tried to pick out like the nuance of a shot of bourbon. And it was uh, Maker's Mark. I remember distinctly only because, you know, for one, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the wax top, it's really obvious. So it's like, you know, in memory, but um, specifically because I was part of, so back in the day when I worked in Hollywood, I was a uh, technician for like the scanning department where, you know, so the old school scanners where you actually had to scan images, you know, animated uh, scenes by hand and whatnot. And anyway, I was a technician for the scanning group and the scanning group was managed by this really, really obnoxious English guy. But it was awesome because if you you know, befriended him, or if you became his friend, and he allowed you into his group, he did have an afternoon tea gathering for a select few individuals. And so I eventually, you know, like befriended him. And then um, I got uh, welcomed into his you know afternoon tea group. And then that led to so you know, for those of you um, not familiar, like in the movie industry, like when it comes to you know like a month or two months before a movie release, I mean you know everyone's like sleeping at the studio, you know. So uh, you are served sort of like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're working late nights. And um, it's it was it was cool because then for like the dinner time stuff, like that's when you know like some of the alcohol would come out, you know, from people's shelves and whatnot. And I remember he pulled out Maker's Mark and he goes, "Hey, you want something stronger?" Um, and it's like okay sure and we you know we had a pour of that and then that's uh, you know and I remember trying to figure stuff out just from hearing him talk about it you know he's like and then wait and then I remember too there was um, I forgot for which production but anyway he pulled out a really special bottle of Elijah Craig I think is what it was um, I just remember the the name anyway and then and that's you know again this was before I was getting into bourbon and whatnot, so I had no idea but then I just remember having that pour and was like blown away like oh okay this is it's taking it to another level yeah you know, well, so. so
1: you you learned about kentucky bourbon from an english guy and, at hollywood.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i learned about tea afternoon tea <laughs> <laughs> an
1: american experience cucumber
2: sandwiches
1: and <laughs> um well here's a question like in your hollywood days did you did you ever encounter any of the gophers and like, were there any like crazy celebrity demands and nobody demanded like bottles of whiskey or anything? Uh,
2: there were, uh, no, actually n- nothing. Uh, yeah, surprisingly not alcohol. I mean, the, some of the more, like the really weird ones are like, you know, I need to have like 10 cans of Diet Coke in the room or something, stuff like that. It was really weird. Cocaine. Um, yeah, that's for the after party. Is that,
1: they tap their nose when they asked for that? <laughs> yeah. And you bring them bottles of Diet Coke and they're like, they look disappointed.
2: Like, yeah. <laughs> Like this is not what I was talking about.
1: <laughs> oh, awesome! All right, Dylan. All right, let me weave you this tale
0: here.
2: Here we go. So,
0: as you guys know, I'm a Puritan, so uh, I follow the law to the letter
2: <laughs> on many um, levels. You're a Puritan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I never did any of the underage drinking that you know. You, I think we
1: know for a fact that this is all fabrication. But okay, you go
0: ahead. You, you hooligans. You know, used to. Uh, I have a
2: photograph uh, when you were twelve. <laughs>
1: So anyway,
0: I actually started- oh, he, looked, he looked
1: like that when he was 18. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: exactly. It's true. But, you know, I have to say, I think you guys know, I think uh, longtime listeners know that I started with wine. So I think my first wine was a Clos du Bois. I think it was a Sauvignon. And I was in wine, deep into wine for a while. And then I switched to Highland Park that's all I drank, Highland Park, Highland Park 12, Highland Park 18, whatever, every expression of Highland Park. And then I moved to New York, I was uh, going to school slash working. And on Wednesdays, we had this like huge gathering, everybody, everybody met at one restaurant, and we would eat and drink and do all this stuff. And so you know, I was heavily into scotch at the time, but everybody there, they were drinking Maker's Mark. 'Cause that's all they had. In fact, I'll tell you what the restaurant was. It was Applebee's.
1: <laughs> You're talking about like I had- New York and like going out for a meal. I'm like thinking, wow, fine dining. Like what like amazing. It, restaurant it, no, it. Here's it the was- best part
2: though. When he says New York, he actually means like Times Square New York yeah, no, too. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: we were not we were not eating at per se. <laughs> Nothing like that. We weren't doing Dr. that. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> John
1: Jordan. <laughs> star- starving students, man, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, no. So we would meet at Applebee's and everyone would have Makers. I said, ah, oh, you know, and, you know, this one particular Applebee's did not have Highland Park. So I said, mm. and, you know, everybody, it's like groupthink, right? Everybody's drinking. That's fine. Okay, pour me a drink. And they would drink it with, like, lots of ice. And I started to drink Maker's Mark and I, and you know, I got used to it. I wasn't really enjoying it, but then I got used to it. But it became the gateway. So then what I did was I, I think the first, the first bottle I actually bought was a Four Roses small batch. That, I think, took it to the next level. And then I started to appreciate drinking things neat, started to explore a lot of the bourbon. Um, I was still drinking some scotch, but bourbon was definitely on the menu many days. And so that kind of expanded. And then, of course, Dutch. You know, Dutch would be very generous, would give uh, gifts during uh, birthdays and uh, holidays. I got to try, I think, Woodford and Four Roses Small batch, small batch. Uh, uh, four roses, yeah. a single barrel, things like that, and then that kind of expanded and exploded. So that's my uh, journey. It was a uh, wine, tale. yeah, wine, Highland Park, and then Makers on Ice, and then Four Roses. So yeah,
1: and then mine was basically tequila to Four Roses, and then I love how Jules is like working the copy machine to drink <laughs> <movies. laughs> or tea
2: from tea, 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 tea to, to bourbon.
1: To, to, to <laughs> well, yeah, both of you guys, Makers was kind of a gateway. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, following with this thread of of Bourbon Heritage Month, what are you guys? most looking forward to in Mm. in the bourbon world. I kind of came up with three for myself. I don't know what you guys have. Do you you guys need a second? You want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Um, Okay. So the first thing I'm looking forward to, and this is kind of tied in with my number three, which I'll get to, but my first one is I'm looking forward to the price crash (laughs) because (laughs) I'm envisioning within the next five years, hopefully that there's a price crash with all this insanity. There may not be, but I'm looking forward to that either way because I mean, some of these prices have just gotten out of control. I don't think it's sustainable for for very long partly because i do think that production is increasing you know we got that big press release buffalo trace spending you know billions of dollars expanding you know that jim beam went through big expansions in the past and it's just a matter of time before there's more of this stuff out there so i'll just jump to my number three i'll do them out of order my number three thing is looking forward to more age statements coming back and not not Mm -hmm. just that a bourbon has to have an age statement to be good but we all know that there like there's something magical that happens at like year seven and then there's something kind of magical that happens at year 10 through 15 there's some good stuff beyond that but it's it's kind of hit or miss but getting stuff age stated above in the 10 plus 10 to 15 year age i want to see more of that that's really fun to taste when you really know you're getting some of that well aged bourbon so i think in the future like if buffalo trace is really properly aging a lot of stuff are we going to see a age statement return to like weller are we going to see an age statement return to Elijah Craig? Is Knob Creek going to be able to keep putting out crazy age stated, high age stated stuff? I think that's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to that. And then my final thing, which is kind of more in the moment, and hopefully I'll be able to do it very soon, is being able to go back to Vegas and sip on some bourbon and play some video poker because yeah. <laughs> I've not been able to do that for way too long. And it sucks because of, you know, the COVID, but exactly, that'll happen eventually. <laughs> All right guys, how about you? Any anything you're looking forward to Jules?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, I like all, all the things you, you said, because I do agree. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a price crash. I doubt it will happen, though. Part of me feels we're only in the, like, we're getting to the young adult range of, like, the big explosion of this stuff. I think a lot of it, too, is because I mean, yeah, I mean, there's forecasts of the yield just going, like, crazy, right? So it's just yeah. going to explode. But One I mean, thing I am looking forward to, and I hope it's a trend that continues, is, for example, like, say, uh, Blanton's mm-hmm. Gold coming stateside, but also being available stateside would be nice but with that Um, price point yeah uh, uh, again uh, without the secondary market stuff (laughs) yeah i'd be really happy you know and um if, if, if anything too if we're talking about trends and stuff we would like to see in the future i doubt this will happen but i do hope like there there is um a reset of the flipping market just because yeah i mean again the prices secondary prices are just way too crazy but yeah i doubt it'll happen and then more specifically though i'm actually hoping i actually can't wait to try and hopefully i can we can get a hands on it and hopefully specifically i can get it my hands on it is the uh birthday 2020 release just because uh last year's felt really disappointing so
1: <laughs> yeah it's the first time in you know like three years i wasn't able to get the four years i wasn't right. able to get birthday bourbon Yeah, i was thinking about that like we could do a really nice vertical because i got 16 I 17 18 but then yeah. 19 man i don't know what the hell happened with 19 yeah seriously
2: yeah all right dylan you're up
0: I want to talk about that crash Dutch brought up. I kind
2: of think that that could happen.
0: Um and the reason I say this is
1: because
0: the new generation Well, and,
2: and say in the next 12 months?
0: No, I think in the next okay. 2 years maybe. I'm okay. also thinking about the new generation. You know, we talked about in the previous podcast about the hard seltzers, right. how that's basically the, RTD the trend movement. right now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think the collection of this whiskeys and stuff like that is going to be either the very, very wealthy or the bourbon or scotch nuts that are around our age and a little and maybe 10 years older. But I don't see the next generation right now. I don't see them going crazy about George mm-hmm. C. Stag. I work with younger folks folks on a d- daily basis and you know, they are not into Highland Park or they're not looking at that they're they want to drink
2: hold and- on let, let me let me counter you real quick so I'm going to interrupt you just to, so I can provide a counter but you know the thing that's interesting though so like let's say with the young younger generation but they are buying expensive things right I mean they're, they're like Jordans are selling like crazy to the younger crowd and those are like $500 shoes and then you got like the Yeezys you know like where they're $700 and young kids are mind this stuff that's right they're you spending know? So just money a matter on of that. time like before they can even get you know if they get introduced to like the high-end liquors and they're they're spending they can money afford on that
0: it, you know mm-hmm. they're spending money on that they're not i don't know if
2: they can on. afford it they're willing to buy it let's put it that way <laughs> uh, well.
0: but yeah i see your point and then so i wanted to kind of move on and say every year towards the end of the year there's only one bottle that i look for and that's george t stag okay if i don't get anything else i'm okay if yeah. i don't get any pappies fine whatever yeah. Uh, if I don't get birthday, Pretty if much I don't get on Pappy even if I don't get William LaRue or, you know, even the Wellers. I mean, like, if wow. I don't get any of the Wellers for the year or whatever, I, I mean, it really
2: doesn't matter. To me, the one well, thing you that... Have like, 50 special reserve and another 75. Look, million. I do have a reserve, but
0: I still look <laughs> for it. But the one bottle that I look for every year is George C. Stack. That's it. Yeah. If I come across other ones, great. I mean, icing on the cake. But if I can't find a George C. Stack, and I'm not talking about secondary prices. I refuse to pay secondary prices, right? right. So, add around round or a little Bit higher than MSRP. If I can't get it for that year, I'm a little bit sad. That's kind of the thing that I always look forward to when September hits and uh, Bourbon Heritage Month you know comes about. That's on my mind. Everybody else could be searching for William Larue Weller and Eagle Rare, yada yada. For me, it's just one bottle. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. And then in terms of predictions. I have this weird feeling that double maturation is here to stay and double maturation is going to be the norm. I think that's going to be the norm. And I think the rare bottles are going to be age-stated, small batch, and blended. Yeah, maybe single barrel, but I feel like that could eventually be the kind of the unicorn mm. and the ones that, that are going to be very difficult to find. Think about age-stated small batch that's but available not, right now.
1: Not a lot. Not a lot,
0: right? Bob Creek. That's right. And, that, uh, and we were shocked that it Ezra, came out. That,
1: like, Ezra seven-year right, maybe, right? That's, but well, that's, you know Somebody somebody threw this out, I think, on one of our YouTube comments on our Maker's Mark drink through about, you know, they keep putting out these special releases. Are they going to eventually put out another regular release? Right. And somebody said, like, how crazy would people go for a 10-year age-stated Maker's mark just like regular maker's mark but with a little more age like 10 year age stated
0: i mentioned that a couple years ago i said i would love a 10 or 12 year maker's mark i want to taste it is it going to be like a well or 12 but i feel like the blended small batch age stated liquor are going to be the collectors like it's going to be the one that you're not going to find and if you have it it's going to be great and i look at the japanese whiskeys as a, a model think about like Yamazaki 18. You could buy that. I think I remember like six years ago, that was on the shelf. Yeah, It was available. Nobody bought it. It was all there. Now it's gone. And sometimes, you know, they'll get rid of the the age. And I'm thinking that they're going to try to have a lot of double maturation, finished in sherry, finished in port. That's going to be the norm. And if you want that barrel blend age not going to find that much i think
1: that's my prediction Hmm. interesting prediction i don't know that i agree with it it'll be interesting but
2: (laughs) i mean i just can't see you agree with the prediction or you just don't agree like you hope it doesn't happen i mean
1: (laughs) i don't think it's gonna happen there's so much purity in in a lot of the big bourbon brands like angel's envy was the pretty much the first guys that came out Everything they put out was finished. Everybody else does it as a one-off. You think it's going to be like regular production Jim Beam product that's going to be finished in orange curacao barrels?
0: I feel like that's going to be the, the new thing. Because <laughs> if you look at, you know why? I mean, and the cherry
1: cask already is. Yeah, Everybody
0: another, does it. Yeah, another, yeah got it. another reason I'm saying that is because the the market for flavored whiskeys, and I know we think of it as, as blasphemy. I get it. And, you know, most of our listeners, I think, they, all, they would agree I mean, they're not the ones that are drinking like the, you know, the apple flavors. peach. (laughs) Yeah, you know, they're not the one, you know, I don't think our listeners are the folks that drink that stuff, but that market is huge. Yeah. right and so i think the way to bridge the weird synthetic flavors of these flavored alcohol is to finish it in sherry or finish it in port and you bring them in and i think that's going to be the main release i think that everything's going to be released that way yeah. i mean scotch has been doing that for a long time i mean you know think about glenmorangie right i mean that's that's been like that forever
1: yeah macallan i <laughs>
0: mean macallan i mean like all these right so i don't see why bourbon Not gonna take advantage of that either, so that's why.
1: All right. Well, hey, and a very fun, uh, insightful ode to Bourbon Heritage Month here. Definitely a fun time. It's it's always fun, even though I get frustrated like you do, Dylan. And I'm I'm at the point where there's very few things that I'm willing to kind of chase anymore. It's still fun to it's still fun to watch it. I like watching it on Instagram. I can kind of see Mm -hmm. the other people go do it and be like, wow, they just wasted a lot of money, but good for them. (laughs) All right, on that note, you should take us Ouch.
2: Home. Ouch. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. We appreciate you, all our listeners. If you're up for it, check us out on YouTube. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Stay curious.
1: By the way, I'm pretty sure you don't say that at the end of our YouTube videos.
0: Yeah, I saw. I went back and I looked (laughs) at it. He does not say that. I don't know why. Which is good. good.
1: No, it's a better sign-off. You should do it on the
2: YouTube. No, no, no. But maybe that's just the podcast thing. I don't know.
1: Okay. All right.
2: I think I did start it in the podcast just when we were, when everything was locked down. So it's all about. Stay stay safe. yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. All right.